Welcome everyone. We are about to begin BPW number three, Bias Panimi, um, Sheer number three for women. We're going to go into um, a little bit the book called Marriage Secrets by Leah Richheimer. And um, like we mentioned uh, in the beginning, very uh, strongly recommended by Pesach Kron. We're having Askama from Shmuel Kamenetsky, a bracha from Shalom Kamenetsky. And um, has a lot of valuable tools in here. And we're going to discuss important aspects of what she uh, brings about and how to bring it into practical terms. And in Chapter 1, um, she talks about her own background, that she was very much into her business as a corporate executive, and um, the concept of, of, of having... Um, motherhood and wifehood as a priority and a career as secondary was very, very foreign to her. And as we mentioned in the beginning that there's nothing wrong with a woman having a career, but and it's possible to harmonize both, but um, when one's focus is purely on the career, um, you pretty much find out, and she said she found out basically that her corporate skills that she had and her philosophies that she had um, within that was very, very helpful for her in maintaining her business in the working world was not working at all for the harmony of her own marriage. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, my pur- purpose of is not to read the, you know, her whole story word by word, you know, but rather just the general uh, overview and, picking the specific important points. Uh, But basically, she made a decision to designate her entire life to working on having a better marriage and then teaching that concept to other people. And that became a big mission in her life. And she did a lot of soul-searching and a lot of work. And uh, she went through Chazal, asked questions of many Rabbonim and Rebetzins, and worked very, very hard in working through these concepts. And I mentioned this last time, and that in the beginning, when she heard the words of the Rambam, a husband should be like a king in his wife's eyes, she didn't handle that very well. She was very upset about it, and her blood even boiled about hearing that. Like, you know, well, what's that all about? You know, uh, (laughs) He's a king, and what am I, you know, a slave or something? Well, what is this concept of treating your husband like a king? And she was very upset about it. And truth be told, if husbands don't behave the way they're supposed to behave, it makes a lot of sense that women would be indignant and say, you know, what is the Rambam talking about here? But as you see, as you go through this book, to understand in essence what the Rambam does mean, and of course it, it can't work in a, situation where there's a dysfunctional relationship, an abusive relationship, uh, then those things, you know, don't don't exactly apply. And you have to know how to use it and how to work it and so on and so forth. And she relates there a conversation she had with uh, Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky um, that um, she, she basically realized that many couples suffer from lack of shalom bias and very often there are solutions there and um, what puzzled her all along, and it puzzled me as well, looking at the world, 
and looking at yeshiva education for that matter, or girls' school education, that why isn't Shalom Bayez the top priority in Yiddishkeit or of a national agenda to begin with? Why isn't it focused on? Now, it may sound crazy to a lot of people, but I truly believe, and many do believe, that the concepts, the basic concepts of Shalom Bayez should be discussed and emphasized at, a, at, at you know, quite a, a young age, especially after, from, after Bar Mitzvah, Bas Mitzvah and beyond. Not to talk about the nitty-gritties of certain aspects of marriage that could wait till you're close to getting married. I'm not talking about that, you know, like physical intimacy stuff and things like that, but just the general concepts of Shalom Bayez and the tools and the skills could be learned years and years before because a lot of the preparation actually is working on your own character during those formative years. And um, he, she was very um, taken aback at the lack of priority that Shalom Bayes is given, both on an individual basis and a communal basis, and she went to Shmuel Kamenetsky to discuss it. And she said, um, like this, I'm just basically the conversation went like she said, I believe the avoid of our generation is to work on Shalom Bayes. And Shmuel answered back, uh, what exactly is your source? And uh, she answered back, I was hoping that the Rosh Hashiva would be my source for this. <laughs> so she said um, that, so, so then, then uh, she said that a Medrash Rabban Bamidbar Hashem says that Shalom is so great that it's equal to everything else in creation. It's a Medrash And the Torah's Kehanim says that without Shalom there's nothing because Shalom outweighs everything else. And everyone is trying to stop Lashon Hara, she said to Rav Shmuel, and to stop gossip. And she told Rav Shmuel that maybe if marriages were stronger, people wouldn't feel such a need to gossip. Perhaps dressing modesty, modestly wouldn't be such a big issue. And by the way, we mentioned, that's another reason I mentioned, I wrote, said that year before I say this year, that a lot of those issues with Tznias and lack of Tznias and things like that wouldn't be a major issue if there was a healthy perspective on what marriage is and Shalom Bayes is and the role of men and the role of women. And maybe we'd have a fewer challenges with children and with teenagers and the internet if we focused more on Shalom Bayes because that's the basis of our nation is Shalom Bayes. That's what she told Rav Shmuel. And Rav Shmuel, I'm going to quote, Rav Kamenetsky answered with words that meant the world to me. Mrs. Reheimer, you must teach this to as many people as you can, and one candle should light many candles. That's what he told her. He agreed with her. Didn't go into elaborate conversation. Kamenetsky is one that's very, very um, modest, matter-of-fact, simple, straightforward, doesn't go into long-winded drushes, but clearly he was in agreement that the key to Klal Yisrael, the key to saving this generation, the key to the Geula, is having our whole Am Yisrael gearing towards better Shalom Bayis. And she's 100% right with this. And when I read this in her book, it just, just like clicked. Shalom Bayis is missing when it's missing. All kind of other problems crop up in every corner. And the root of it 
is not knowing how to deal with healthy shalom bias and how to how to know how to do that. And working on that one issue can heal so many, so many other issues. And then she went back to, you know, when she quoted the Rambam in a, in a drasha, that very Rambam that annoyed her terribly, that a woman must respect her husband exceedingly and so on. And she said one influential woman glared at her and uh, basically said, you know, when he respects me, then I'll respect uh, him. You know, and every many agreed. And she was caught off guard. And she, But she did say, you know, try it at home and come back to me next week and tell me how it went. And she was a nervous wreck. And But a week later, they came back and basically said they tried it. They tried it. They gave their husbands more respect. And in turn, they got more respect. Um, and that is really the Bini Yisera that was given to the women that they know how to do this. Now, when we t- talk on the man's side, of course, we talk the same way. They have to learn how to love and respect their wives. Obviously, in an ideal situation, they do this for each other and there's no problems whatsoever. But we're not perfect people and we try our best. And um, the Chazal are saying, basically, that the women do have that ability. By the man and his formula, he has to love his wife like himself, honor her more than her, himself. And that stress there, Bez Hashem, I'm going to give Shiorim on the women, on the men's section about that concept. But on the woman's side, on her concept, to treat him with respect and doing that with a certain Bini Yaseira, the results will come back in my Impanim Alpanim and, and with very, very positive results. She brings down also, which is very important, it's a misconception that people have about how Torah views women, and we had that share in share number one, how you see how Torah has a very positive view of women, and the fact that they have different roles and different mitzvahs doesn't take away any of their value in Kedusha. And in most societies, till recently, you know, women were considered, you know, second-class citizens, weren't even able to vote, and, but, but it, it reflected the whole psyche of the, of the nations, of how they're much lower um, class, so to speak, but in our world, it's not like that. It's very, very much not like that. And he, she brings down, interesting, that, you know, what other nation has a ksuba, which is a marriage contract that addresses the rights of a woman and the man's obligation to the woman. That's very groundbreaking. Now it doesn't seem like much, but it was very groundbreaking. I'm going to honor her, and I'm going to support her. This is in the ksuba point was not to give women more rights than men or men, more men rights than women. It's to create a shlemus and a simcha in a home, in a Jewish home. There's a chiv of a ksuba. And then there's certain things that uh, a wife uh, has certain obligations to do for her husband and the other way around. It's a two-way street and it's a tremendous, healthy, beautiful journey when done the right way. Then she brings a letter that Wrote, someone wrote to her and how she responded. The letter was basically a woman that comes from a rabbinic family, married to a man who ideally was everything he, she, he, she, he, she wanted for her husband. But after 30 years and with children and Einikloch, she's very disappointed. Her marriage never lived up to the hopes and dreams that she aspired to. Her husband very often gets angry. There's tension in the house. They tried therapy. Didn't work. Husband feels it's a waste of money. And um, 
the their rav is aware of it, the lack of shalom bias, but very has a hard time getting the husband to change his pessimistic pessimistic attitude. And um, I don't know what to do. And should I just resign myself to the situation? So these are interesting questions. After thirty years of marriage, is it possible to turn a marriage around? And how do you deal with someone who has anger and pessimism and so on? And uh, how would you bring out the best in a husband, given his limitations and so on? So these are very, very good, sincere, legitimate questions. So she talks about, first in general, is that we all have challenges in life. And uh, sometimes it does feel that we're a victim of someone else's poor behavior. Um, you know, and again, we're not talking now about real abusive situations, but we're talking about human beings that are in normal range but have poor behaviors. And um, but the truth is that very often, almost all the time, we need to realize that every challenge that we have was placed before us by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. and the, our husband's behavior and the husbands need to know their wives' behaviors overall, is designed to bring out the best potential that you could possibly have. And sometimes, instead of feeling victimized by your husband's negative behavior, consider it like a test to maximize ourselves, to deal, learn how to healthily deal with our own anger and resentment, and to learn strategies to overcome obstacles. Frederick Dignamillo used to talk about this, by the way, all the time. Um, and um, be honest with you, as a Bachar, I was very idealistic about marriage, had these, uh, you would say, fantasies in my head about uh, living in some type of worldly Gan Eden and, you know, and, and that's really what marriage is. And the truth is, it could be that way, but it has to be with a touch of realism. And Ravig de Miller, uh, this is while I was still a Bachar, really smashed that to smithereens, talked about the very practical uh, clashes that take place between a husband and wife. They're like sandpaper to each other sometimes. They'll grate on each other's nerves. Uh, you know, everything looks nice, but then you see the dirty laundry on the floor or the stockings or uh, whatever hanging over the railings and the smelly bathrooms. You know, he, he really laid it on thick. Now, at the time, I was frankly sort of upset, you know, at him in a certain sense. Like, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> you want people to look forward to getting married, and here you really just flipped it on, on its head. But looking back, I realized how wise he was. Because in other shiurim, he did talk about the idealism of marriage and how beautiful it can be. Um, you listen to um, tape number 620, I think it is, the Ten Commandments of Marriage, and other, uh, there's other tapes, I don't remember the numbers, about the unwritten ksuba, various tapes of how marriage could be truly beautiful, but then he had these other shiurim about how it's not, uh, you know, it's difficult sometimes. And it is a challenge, and they're like sandpaper to each other sometimes, refining their character sort of by force, um, you know, as each one is working on their character, and hopefully they each try to work on it and get better and better. But through the process, you know, it's not always easy. But the truth is, is that's part of what marriage is, working on our own character and working how to deal with the sh our own shortcomings and the shortcomings of our spouse with a certain level of compassion and understanding and trying to acquire tools on how to handle it and how to make it better. Now, I'm just going to quote here 
things that maybe she's saying you should do as exercises, but I'm going to just let you know what she's writing here. And you could decide on your own whether to try some of these things or not. But here is what she writes. She writes, and for you, those of you who have the book, it's recommended as I do the Shiurim. You can go through it. Because the truth is, is this of reading books such as these and doing the notes and the exercise, even though you have the book in your hand, it really, really has a tremendous effect if you try to practice it and think about it. And I'm just going to go through this quickly. It says here, keeping a journal, optional points to ponder. So she writes here two questions to think about. Well, question number one, in what ways might society's influence have have made marriage more challenging to you? In what ways might society's influence have made marriage more challenging to you? So that is a question that I'm just going to say over here when I read this question. I see extremely, extremely relevant how today's culture does affect our marriages in a very, very negative way. About the way Hollywood depicts the happy, happy, live happily ever after scenario, or that they're always quote unquote in love, or you know those, ha- you know those, and over sexualizing uh, the men and women as objects that create and 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 the cynical aspects in our society of marriage versus other types of male-female relationships where marriage is looked down upon. All of these things seeped into our culture in many different ways. But you could answer this to yourself, and you need to think about that perspective, because if it did, then you need to try to undo it and learn healthy thoughts about what marriage really truly is supposed to be. So again, question number one. In what ways might society's influence have made marriage more challenging for you? So if you have a pen and piece of, piece, of, piece of paper or spare time to think about it, write this down and realize how it could be affecting your marriage and how to undo it. The next thing is what politically correct ideas make it more difficult for you to feel closer to your husband? That is an interesting question. Now, again, as a male, I know, you know, just it's easier to see and for women, I'm sure it's also easy to see the feminist movement, what what the damage that was caused by them, um, by um, having a warped sense of what it is. And basically, when you fight for women's rights in, in a healthy way, that's perfectly fine. That's a good thing. You know? But when going to the extreme and by doing so, bashing every single male and degrading like a husband is secondary. We don't need you at all. The truth is you need, we need each other. A man needs a woman. A woman needs a man in a marriage. They need each other. But to say, you know, so, so, but again, so that's an interesting question too. What political correct ideas may have made it difficult for you to feel closer to your husband? So, and then she, what she does is, is at the end of each chapter, there's a try this at home exercise to do once a week to try to do it once a week or each day if you can and try to continue it as much as possible and um and she it's like sort of homework work which you could do you don't have to do but you know this all this is um voluntary anyway you do what you please she writes here that these exercises are based on 
the Musa works of Rabbi Rucham Lovavitz. You know, maybe at one point I'll contact her to get the sources of it. He, she writes four uh, homeworks here. If I have time tomorrow, maybe I'll copy the PDF just of these two pages and put it in the shear. But here are the two, uh, the four exercises. Number one, try not to interrupt your husband while he is talk, talking to you or others. That's number one. Number two, write a little appreciation note and hide it where your husband will find it. Number three, make or buy your husband one of his favorite treats. And number four, greet your husband at the door at least once this week. So those are the four things to try at home. Frankly, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking that this Marriage Secret Books for the Women should really write a book called Marriage Secrets of, for Men, you know, and have these exercises being turned on the head so that the husband could do it for their wives as well. And, uh, you know, maybe should contact this author to help me write this a book like that, you know, that, that may you know, help it on both ends of it. But this is important to do, by the way, even if the situation is not ideal, um, and um, and and like we said very often, that the positive skills and behaviors and working through these things, even though it doesn't seem natural, but when you try these things, you usually get positive results, and marriages can be enhanced greatly from it. So again, the four exercises, try not to interrupt your husband while he is talking to you and to others. Number two, write a little appreciation note and hide it where your husband will find it. Number three, make and buy your husband one of his favorite treats. And number four, greet your husband at the door at least once a week. Now the truth is, again, on the other side of the mechitza, we're going to stress, which is true, is when your wife is talking, you need to not interrupt her, you know? Understand, understood, and also write those appreciation notes and, 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 and treat her to things and and greet her up very pleasantly and all that. It's always a two-way street. So that, again, I'm just going to say it again to remind you uh, when I talk about these things that um, it is a two-way street, but we're, this is a share for the women to make their marriages better and the self-work that is required. And that's why we're going through this book and we'll go through other things as well um, to make real practical advice on how to enhance the marriage. If there is positive feedback on trying this for a while and you got positive results, it's very important uh, to hear about it, to give each other feedback on what works, just like she wrote in her conference when people started doing certain positive things, how they got positive feedback. And we'll take it from here. And again, step by step, little by little. And like to end off with that main point of the truth that I truly believe that she said, and I'm just, I, I knew it for a very long time. That's probably maybe one of the reasons why subconsciously somehow I fell into this uh, Shalom Bayes thing in the first place, because it's an extremely important thing for Am Yisrael. And Mamish could bring the Geula and so many other problems could be solved or resolved or, or made much easier when Shalom Bayes exists. Hatzlochem bracha.